0: The Free For All Roundtable.
1: Brought to you by Lexus Vaughan, Canada's newest Lexus dealer in the Maple Auto Mall near Rutherford at Highway 400. Luxury is closer than you think.
0: Round one.
1: On round one, Jerry Agar is here from the Jerry Agar Show, 9 to noon on News Talk 1010. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers now in private practice. Scott Reid, CDV political commentator, advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Good morning, everybody. Let's actually start with Doug Ford, an impassioned plea yesterday uh, he's not the first to speak out about this i was mentioning that it was part of john tory's year-end interview when he was still mayor of toronto but here's doug ford saying he wants the feds to tighten bail conditions
2: the federal government has continued to resist common sense changes to keep people safe you have the whole country screaming we need to make changes and they're dilly-dallying along Like, there's no urgency. There's no urgency because none of their families have ever been affected. They haven't seen the safety. They're protected behind the the big golden gates of Parliament.
1: This, of course, is informed informed a great deal by the murder of a 16-year-old on the TTC by a guy who had been in and out of the court system for most of his adult life, Jerry.
3: Well, he's right. Ford is right. And I it, it seems like judges, lawyers, politicians are, are completely out of tune with the public. And this has been a constant theme on my show. I mean, you're 14 now, and I've always done a, a, a segment called Canada Soft on Crime. And every time I bring on a lawyer back when ed pruchy was a lawyer he can't come on now because he's a judge which by the way seems kind of dumb i think we should be able to grill judges like you know harder than we do politicians nope. and but uh, judges uh, now if i talk to boris potensky who is taking his place as our analyst i talked to politicians do they want to do anything about this no not really i i think ford could sound a lot more angry than he does and he'd be justified scott reed your thoughts
2: I think the government is dragging his feet. I think the government doesn't want to do it. I think their reluctance is apparent. And I think that I don't agree with everything Jerry says. I don't agree with everything that Doug Ford says. But when the premier says there is a complete lack of urgency, he's right. I mean, they've been talking about this for months, like just in the current context, I've been talking about it for months. Lametti said in you know early March that, you know, there is seen to be a broad consensus around some change. Where is it? Why aren't we hearing more about it? Um, I don't understand the politics of it. I don't understand the policy of it. So um, the government just does not feel like the federal government does not feel like it's seized with this. And it ought to be. And Deb Hutton, your thoughts?
0: Well, I was hoping Scott could explain it because I truly am like the premier. I do not understand why the federal government does not want to change this. You have every premier in this country, uh, with the exception of coming uh, cap in hand, asking for money. They never agree on anything. And they're saying you need reverse onus when it comes to being out on bail. You need to prove that you aren't going to be a problem if we let you out while you're awaiting trial. It absolutely makes no sense to me. I, I, I truly, I've been around politics for, I I dare say, three decades, I don't get it. I truly don't understand it.
1: The provincial transportation minister says the federal environment minister, quote, will do anything to stop Highway 413. Uh, Deb, worth saying you went to work for the minister for a brief period of time, so you know her well, but you probably also know the file well. I'd imagine it's not surprising that the environmental minister at the federal level and the transportation minister at the provincial level aren't necessarily having the same conversation.
0: No but here's my problem with this take take the fact that it's 413 and it's controversial out of it we have one environment either the federal government is responsible or the provincial government is responsible in what world does it make sense that we have two different levels of government telling us whether something is environmental my problem with this to go back to highway 413 is this is the one level of government in this case the federal level of government not liking a policy that another level government has decided upon. A duly elected government has decided to bill 413. They even fought an election partly on it and won. And the other government doesn't like it, so they're saying, what do I have in my toolkit to stop this policy? And that's wrong.
1: Okay, well, Scott Reed, if something is a threat to the environment, then it's kind of the minister's job to blow the whistle, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, and there are distinctions in level of jurisdiction in there uh, between the federal and provincial level. So it's not an insurmountable challenge. It isn't like they're tripping over one another. That's not my objection. I, I think what's really interesting here, you heard Doug Ford talk about Minister Gebo last week. You've heard uh, the minister talk this week. The, the provincial government has clearly decided that it's going to put this guy in the crosshairs. Why? And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because he puts himself there. Gibo is doctrinaire. Gibo is difficult to deal with. He's prickly, he's uncompromising, and he has a superior tone. And I think it's exactly the wrong posture on such a sensitive file. And it's not just about 4.13. You can have a debate about that. I've been on every side of that issue at, at one time or another. But on a broad suite of issues, when we're going through you know, climate change and all the policies and all the controversies and all the political challenges that that involves... A guy like Gibo in a in a in a ministry and as a department that's as sensitive and as uh, fundamental as as this one is, I, you're asking for trouble. The fact that he's being put up on a wanted poster tells you that something's gone wrong. And I would make an adjustment if I were the Liberals federally.
3: Don't disagree with uh, Scott, except Scott was being polite when he called Gibo. Uh, what did you use the term, doctrinaire? He's a nutball environmentalist activist. Then nobody should be a minister when that
1: is where they come from all right Uh, Let me stick with you for a moment, Jerry, because I think you've handled this topic on your show, but uh, we're learning more about the story of a Toronto police senior officer who was busted after a drunk driving accident, and I think the uh, biggest surprise here is, apparently, they have a licensed uh, lounge where you can drink at police headquarters. Who knew uh, that, you know, they had a cocktail lounge?
3: Yeah, it's the senior officer's lounge. Mark Mendelson, our uh, former cop who's our crime analyst, was on with me yesterday talking about this, and he said, you know, most of the cops don't go there, and it's not. Always sort of open for service. They do events and things in there, but I think in uh, today's environment, it's a bad look. Apparently, it doesn't cost the taxpayers anything. It's financed by the senior officers, etc. So okay, but it just it might be a good idea if they didn't have an open bar at the police force. Yeah, Scott Reed. It's
1: decidedly Mad Men, which took place in like 1967,
2: 1972. Yeah, it's very anachronistic. M- Mendelson and I ironically had a beer last night and argued about this, um, but. Uh, <laughs> i um at police headquarters I, I i think no no uh no at our own uh, north headquarters but i think you know it it's it is anachronistic i i'm with you john and i i think probably in reality um it's just a, a place where some members some senior members of the force can basically you know rent a bar and rent a room and uh, hold something if they have some kind of function but look at what happened with this officer you know, what happens when you have these little private bars and places? One of the things that happens is people don't go, hey, Dave, I think you've had too much. People don't sort of, you know. And so this guy walked out of there. Obviously, he was faced and he walked out of there and he drove his car. And we know the rest of the story. So, like, I'm sorry, but I don't think those that are in the position of enforcing the law ought to be sitting around accepting the notion that. Uh, they can contribute to its breach, so I just, I this thing's got to be shut down, if for no other reason than optics, but I think it's more than optics.
3: Okay, I uh, guess uh, you brought something else up there, Scott. Uh, yesterday I said to Mark Mendelson, if someone goes to a bar, is overserved, caused an accident, is there a legal ramification to the bar? And he said, absolutely, they overserved somebody. So could that then be brought against whoever is running that bar at uh, police headquarters if they can demonstrate? There's still a question as to whether he got drunk there or he got drunk somewhere. Yeah, or in he in may between. have gone to another venue. But if they can demonstrate that he was overserved there, then maybe somebody else is in trouble. At police headquarters, which is just another reason not to have the bar. All right. I doubt
2: if it's prosecutable, but uh, that's exactly what I'm getting at,
3: which is like private
2: bar. Like, it's like have a drink at the Masonic Law after the Masonic Lodge. And it's like nobody says, hey, you know what? Hal has had too much. That's what happened here, or potentially what
1: happened here. Yeah. Well, it's part of a pattern I've talked (laughs) about. About in the past, which is people tend not to enforce the rules against people they feel they have an awful lot in common with. So here you are a police officer whose normal job is to bust somebody for drinking too much and getting behind the wheel of a car. But if it's another cop, it's sort of like, yeah, okay, well, he's a friend and he knows where he's going. It's all going to work out. Uh, let's go to, from the sublime to the ridiculous or the drunk to the ridiculous. A woman charged after allegedly sticking her head out of a sunroof while driving along on a 400 series highway. Um, Deb Hutton, your thoughts?
0: Well, so she's been charged with the only thing they could charge her with, which yeah. I think was a seatbelt. And, you know, that's great. But surely she should have been able to be charged by something else. I mean, that's just dumb. Uh, but can I go back? Because I didn't get to chat about sure. the police officer. Um The issue for me isn't so much the bar. It's 2023, shut it down. All the things Jerry and Scott said, agree. My bigger issue is the leniency when it comes to a police officer within their job. He's been demoted for 12 months. This is a guy who's a superintendent. He is head of the service's disciplinary tribunal, for God's sake. And he's getting a slap on the wrist. That, to me, is what we should be angry about. Not the fact that there's a bar. Uh, Again, shut it down. Agree with the guys. But my God, why are we not tougher on cops? because they are supposed to be, in my view, not only upholding the law, but making us uphold it. So there has to be at least a decent level of standard, if not a higher standard.
1: Now, back to the woman sticking her head out of the sunroof. And Jerry, I don't know if you ever watched Six Feet Under. No. But Six Feet Under is about a funeral uh. home, and every single episode begins with somebody dying. And of one, of the, one of the most famous episodes was a woman celebrating her divorce in a limousine and sticking her head and or so up out of the limousine and being taken out by an overhead traffic light, which is somewhat improbable. Yes. But they're not that low. No, exactly. But still. All right. Well, I looked
3: at this and I thought I didn't know it was illegal to stick your head out the sunroof. I mean, it's the sort of thing you could see uh, a lot of people wanting to do. And, and maybe actually there isn't anything illegal about sticking your head out of the window. So what they did is instead of getting, um, you know, Capone on the crime, they got him on the tax evasion. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, we have to charge her with something. Do we? Yeah. Ah, wasn't wearing her seatbelt. Okay, we got her.
1: There we go. All right. Well, that's a nice way to pivot to Donald Trump. And uh, Scott Reed, you may be the only one who gets to weigh in on this, but I know how how much you love the Trumpster. I do. And we'll watch how this
2: unfolds. uh, But I
1: think we
2: already know what the political dynamic is. Ironically, these charges are going to be used by him to present himself as a victim. It's happening already. It's going to... Very much advantage him in the race to become the Republican nominee. We see that already in polls, astonishingly, and it's going to really limit his ability to win votes beyond the Republican base. And I like, I think it's, a, I think it's going to be a fascinating. All those shameful incident.
1: And Deb Hutton, you've had to slice and dice the electorate from time to time to figure out who's going to vote how. I look at this and I think, that, yeah, Donald Trump has a solid core of about 30 to 35 percent of people who would vote for him for any on any day. But you got to get the other group of reasonable people who are sick of the circus.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I actually, while this is historic today, I don't think it changes one iota of what is happening political in the states. Either you love them or you don't. Either you're a Republican who despises them or you're not. And either you're a Democrat and always will be or not. Like, it does not change anything. It might further entrench where things are. But this I this particular indictment, I do not believe will have one iota of difference on what happens ultimately. As in the Ron
2: election. DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is now thirty points behind him. That's yep. happened in the last week.
3: Okay, change uh, that. Uh, in the, if this is where they're going politically, then I guess when the Republicans are finally back in office, um, you can look forward to an indictments of Joe and Hunter Biden.
1: I'll always ask on what charge because they never found anything on the computer.
3: Well, I don't know if that is exactly true or why wasn't Hillary Clinton indicted on this very same thing? This very same thing. Spending money oh, come on one on, thing. Jerry. And- Good God. Okay,
2: Scott. All you- right, you- it's both sides, both sides. Yeah, it's all both sidesism. Come on. Oh, okay. This
3: guy's. Okay, This one, guy once- does things that other people don't. Okay, once again, I could have explained it, but we're out of time. We're out
1: of time, but that's okay. you got three hours later. Catch the round table. Round one at 7.45. Round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010, Toronto.